and thank you very much for listening in to another episode of In The Sheds on Code With Kingy where for today's show we are joined by the Wellington Lions and Hurricanes Jackson Garden Bishop. So the first five starts us off with what it was like being at Scots College before the rugby program got established, before then kicking on to the differences between Super Rugby in Australia and that of New Zealand where he now currently resides, before finally wrapping it up with how his life has changed with becoming a dad and having to balance all the stuff that goes along with being a pro rugby player, but also being a young dad. So again, I hope you guys enjoy this whānau. I had a lot of fun talking to Jackson and he gave me some great insights. So yeah, I'll let you guys listen to our conversation. Hey man, I guess we'll just uh, start off with, uh, how have you been in lockdown, bro? How's the hand? How's dad life? Yeah, bro, lockdown's been, it's been pretty good actually. But I was actually due to come back from my hand the week we we went into lockdown, we were supposed to play the Bulls at home that week, and I was available for selection that week. So that was a bit frustrating, but lockdown itself has been pretty cool, bro. With my daughter, um, just spending heaps of time with her. It's a pretty pretty buzzy situation, you know. That I get to just be with her twenty four seven. Um, probably won't get that opportunity again with any of my future kids. So I've been enjoying it. Yeah, totally, bro. Is it um? I guess because you're sort of new to the whole dad thing, bro. Like. How's life changed for you? Because you've been a professional footy player for a while, so um, has it made you appreciate things more? Yeah, bro, it's, it's definitely, um, it's made me appreciate other things more, you know, like before, even with my with my missus, it was still always sort of rugby. But um, yeah, once my daughter was born, bro, it was sort of, it was like an instant, instant mindset shift, so but nothing else mattered really apart from her. Obviously still love code and that, but at the end of the day, like, say, when I when I broke my hand in that, like, I'd, I'd still come home and she'd be there. So that like, just makes you really put things into perspective um, with everything else that's going on, you know. Um, and I've, I've been loving the day. It's been really cool. It's a funny one. Like, everyone always says that, hey, like, when parents say that, literally, like, by the, at the birth, like, literally, that's almost like life changed them. So it's funny that, those are the words that you use, but um, yeah, because it was at the, it was literally at the birth. Because I remember thinking, telling myself the nine months after we found out that Rosie was pregnant, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to be a dad. Like, I'm gonna love this kid. And then it wasn't actually until she came out and I held her. I, literally, it's just this bizarre feeling. I can't explain it, but I've I've talked to a couple of other um new dads and they've said they felt the same thing. And it's it's a yeah, it's a it's quite an out of body experience, as I mean. Yeah, bro. Can't wait to go through it myself. Yeah, bro. Um, but how about the boys, bro? Have you been keeping in touch with them? Have you been missing them? Yeah, bro. Definitely missing hanging out with the lads. I'm actually just saying dumb shit, hey? Like, hearing the boys say dumb shit and saying dumb shit back and just laughing at just that that sort of stuff. Um, the off-the-field connections, you know? But definitely been trying to keep in touch with the boys um, at least three or four times a week, you know, over the, the Zooms have been been going on and of all the group chats and stuff, so I'm still being staying connected, but I can't wait to see all the boys on Monday and just hear what everyone's been up to and get back into some code. Yeah, but, and then even for you guys as well, like I've mentioned with some of the other boys, I mean, you guys are creatures of habit. You guys have like a set routine. You get told where to be, what to eat, how to train. Like, how have you found the 
were you pretty good over the lockdown period or did you did you struggle like some of the other boys that I've talked to? Yeah, no, it was definitely there was definitely a period at the start that I had to adapt. Like I'd, you sort of just wake up and there's no structure there and you don't really know what to do with your day. And um, it took me a couple of weeks really to put that structure in myself. And once I got that, I've been pretty good for the last four or five weeks. But definitely at the start, it was it was strange, not sort of being told what to do and where to be all the time. Yeah. yeah. We'll bring on Monday, then, eh? Yeah, exactly. Sweet, bro. Um, why don't you start us off with where you grew up and, you know, where did you play your junior rugby and, you know, how old were you when you started? Um, so I was born in Dunedin, but I consider myself a welly boy. If I started playing rugby and actually in England, my dad was playing in at London Irish and I played for the the leprechauns they're called there when I was I think I was four when I first started and then came back to New Zealand then that's when I we settled in Wellington when I was about eight and I went straight to North there um, as a junior uh, played all my junior rugby there until under 13s and then was lucky enough to get a scholarship into Scots College in the city so I had my high school there first 15 for four years and then picked up by Wellington out of school in 2013, been with them I think for seven years now and then did a year at the Rebels in 2016 or 17 and then I've been, this is my third year with the Hurricanes this year so yeah that's my that's my rugby journey in short. Yeah, Still so much more to go but um, we'll start at the very start though uh, and like I mentioned before, you come from a very talented family, not only your siblings, then your parents and your uncles. And so for you growing up, was there ever any pressure from your parents to play rugby, considering the history they had in the sport? No, nah, not at all, especially not from my parents. Um, my mum especially, there was, oh, she, we always had, we always were um, encouraged to be in sport, but to, you know, definitely not just to be, um, Specifically rugby, we I played every sport growing up, so yeah, no, no, no pressure to play rugby at all. Mm-hmm. And so, like you mentioned, you get a scholarship to Scots, and you were probably part of that sort of first wave of sort of Scots building their rugby program. So, like for you, like when you first got there, having played at such a strong club like Morse, was it sort of a, a rude awakening to perhaps be part of a, a team that wasn't as dominant as what you were used to? Yeah, it was strange. I actually, it was my mum's idea that I went to Scots. I didn't actually really, I really didn't want to go there just because the rugby was poor. I remember getting there in year nine and I overheard some of the senior boys, they just lost, or like the the last, previous year, they'd lost the Division Two semi-final and they, they were celebrating that. They were they were really happy with how they'd done and it's, uh, they were saying the first 15 won't be this strong for years to come and all this stuff. So that w- that was strange to hear. But yeah, obviously, like you say, being part of that first wave, we were just really lucky that we got a good generation of classic Scots white battlers, really, that we just put our heads down and, and tried to take it as seriously as we could and, and made Prem 1 in 2010 and all that. And then sort of off the back of that, the school decided that they could make something with the first 15 and started to get a few better players in and obviously... I think it was two, two or three years after I left the national champ, so it's pretty special, yeah. Yeah, um, I can't say I liked some of the, the wins that Scott's had uh, during my time at school at Silverstream, but um, that's neither here nor there. But 
yeah. you, you you ended up playing schools and like you, you played in, in a bunch of um, young age group teams. So when you were at school, what sort of age were you at when you sort of decided like, yep, I'm really going to sort of get stuck into my rugby and try and make something of it? Um, for me, to be honest, I always wanted to just be an all black. Like I wanted to always be a professional rugby player. So every, every time that I sort of was making those teams, it was sort of just like, I'd always make like goals. Those those were my long term goals. I'd had short term goals to get to those, and it was just sort of like every time I took one off, I'd be like, "Man, I can really, I, I really might be able to do this." I can't remember a specific moment, but yeah, I think I think there was. It's always been the dream. Um, yeah. yeah. You mentioned again about how you got picked up by the Lions um, outside of school, and you actually ended up playing. I think your first year out, bro. So, and, that, and that's a that's a massive jump for. For anyone, I mean, even to play pre rugby right out of school. Hardly, yeah, right, 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 I, played 12, I played 12 minutes. <laughs> I play, games I'll, take, I'll take it, though. I'll take it, man. But, I mean, you must have been in and around that environment. So, what was that like for you? Oh, it was pretty intimidating, to be honest. It was a bit different even, it doesn't even seem that long ago, but the sort of the setup of the of the Lions, I was the, I was the only first year out of school, and then the, Artie was the only one out of first year out of school the year before that so it was, a, it was a lot older the team was pretty much all all hurricanes or super rugby players and um it was just a a crazy jump going from especially from scots we, we went fully serious yet so going into that full-time professional environment it was, it was awesome it was eye-opening and um, i learned a lot having had parents who had experiences in professional setups and in serious setups. Did it bode well for you going into that space? Like, did they sort of give you a heads up? Or your old man, sorry. Did your old man sort of give you a heads up as to what to expect going into it, or were you sort of learning on the go? A little bit. Um, I was, I, a, a lot of learning on the go. I think the the difference in the areas is massive. Like, sort of, when I would describe sort of some of the training we'd be doing, my dad would be like, oh, I've never heard of that sort of thing. Um, and stuff around recovery and, and injury treatment and stuff. He was, he, was, he's, he was part of a pretty old school era. So a lot, a lot of mindset stuff and yeah, a lot of mindset attitude. He had a lot of good advice for, but sort of a, the new professional era is a bit, bit um, past him, I think. Yeah. And then you roll into 2014. You're part of New Zealand at the 20s in that World Cups. Played in New Zealand. Probably not the result that you guys were after um, that year. And then you, you roll into another Mitre 10 Cup season or ITM Cup, it was, as it was probably called. And Earl, uh, the coach at the time, I know that he was he made it a bit of an effort to bleed a lot of young talent in and give them a bit of exposure. But I remember talking to Chase about how he said that, well, it was obviously good that you know some of you young guys were getting more opportunities, that um, there was maybe a lack in leadership that wasn't there to support some of you younger guys and especially with similar to Chase like you being in a game driver position at 10 how how tough was that like sort of being thrust into there and sort of being told to direct some of the older guys around the paddock having you know only just been out of school yeah I, that was that was a very young group and I think probably just the the balance of the squad was was just a little bit off you know you see Mitre 10 Cup teams these days they've got they've always got that core oh that that young group coming through, but there's sort of always that eight or nine guys that are 
that have been around the block. Um, but yeah, for me, it was there was a tough couple few years where we went through about seven or eight first fives. So we were, none of us were really getting time on the saddle, and that's what you really need as a ten. You just need you just need time. You need you need to understand what the players around you are doing. The players around you need the time to understand what you're doing. And you know that that didn't really happen for for a few years. And um, but once it did, and once I got some solid time, I started to feel really comfortable. And and my game started to really progress, which was good. Yeah. And then you you've obviously gone on to play Super Rugby, but there was a patch between obviously when you left school and twenty sixteen, where maybe after your first couple of years out of school, you're probably looking to kick on, but the opportunities probably didn't arise. I mean, you were probably around um, the hurricane setups, but was that a frustrating period for you? Like, obviously trying to learn, and like you said, like you're a guy that's obviously got high ambitions. You want to be an All Black. And you know, sort of not quite getting there. What would, like, how did you feel in that space of time? Like, did you feel like you were getting close to it and weren't quite there, or? Yeah, uh, it was definitely a little bit frustrating. But looking back on it, I was my I was my own worst enemy through that period. I enjoyed life a bit too much off the field. I try to, I try to hang out with all my mates that were at uni and and weren't trying to be professional rugby players too much. I think, um, a few too many beers. Um, but it was definitely frustrating, you know, working working day jobs and then trying to get and still trying to train like a full time rugby player. Out to, between my ten cups, you have got to work and train. But I, I, I always had in the back of my mind that just uh, if I kept my head down and kept kept um, kept plugging away, that the opportunities would come. And if I was ready to take those opportunities, then hopefully more doors would open for me, which fortunately they have. Yeah, I mean it's a tough one because. I've talked to a few of the other boys. Again, I, I'm sorry to keep like referring to other interviews, but that's why I'm trying to draw this knowledge off, bro. And it's, like you said, it's tough to sort of be holding down a job um, when you're not part of the, the Mitre 10 setup. And then, you know, you're sort of trying to beat out guys who are in the position you want to be in, bro. Like, can you sort of give us a first-hand account of, like, how hard it is, you know, to be training in the preseason, you know, not really being part of that super setup and then having to... You know, go out and do the extras in your own time while holding in a full-time job and then waiting till all around some wider team cut before you can sort of fully commit to your training. Yeah, I've, I've got mad respect for like the tradies and the guys that work nine to five and then still are at the level of playing sort of minor team cup because I remember I'd have to get up at like five and train, then be at work at 8.30 or whatever and then work a day and then go to, go to club training or do your do any extra skills that you know the rest of the guys that are already at the level are doing during the day so it's just it's just quite tiring but I think anyone who's got a genuine ambition to be at that next level is sort of happy to do it if you know what I mean like the stuff that you're doing outside of work is is your real passion which is the stuff you enjoy doing so it's sort of like you're just doing nine to five work jobs to survive and then the stuff you love you're doing under lights really Totally. Yeah. Uh, and what, what were you doing for Mahi during that period? Oh, just anything anything that I could find that had pretty flexible bosses. I did some data entry. I was a nanny at one point, helped look after, helped look after some kids for a family. I, was, I delivered kegs around all the bars in Wellington. I was working in a wine wine storeroom out in Tawa. Just, just, yeah, just anything that was sort of 
flexible um, and bit of coin so I could pay rent and stuff. Man of many trades. And so obviously, like you said, you get a bit more time in the saddle over the years uh, when you leave school with the Lions and then the opportunity to go to Melbourne arises. So how did that come about, bro? And maybe talk us through your experience out of the ditch. How it came about, was, I think it was just lucky that all the all the accredited agents from New Zealand, Australia, and I think uh, probably South Africa, they they all had a conference, and my agent was just talking to um, someone from the Rebels, and they were just talking about how they didn't have they had a ten spot, and I I hadn't picked up anything in New Zealand. All the spots in New Zealand were were taken, so my name got thrown in the hat, and they obviously watched some tape, and they they were. They gave me the opportunity, which was which was awesome. And like I said, there were no spots in New Zealand, so I was either go over to Melbourne or keep doing the the day job club rugby thing for for another year. So it was a pretty easy decision for me once it arose. And so then you you taste Super Rugby over in Australia. What was that like? Was it because everybody talks about the step up, bro? But do you have any sort of personal account of how tough it is, or you know what was the preseason like? You know, you know what was the the week leading up to the game like, and what was the game like for you? Yeah, well, well, the first thing was the training. That was that was just so much harder. Yeah, really tough. All the players that you're around, all all the highest level. So you gotta you gotta be a hundred percent every day. And then yeah, I remember my the feeling in the first game. Like I can I can hardly remember much of the game. It was it was pretty intense. It was pretty intense feeling, and it's all just so it just happened so fast compared to Mitre Ten Cup. That's all I remember thinking. But yeah, that was that was my initial thought of Super Rugby when I started playing it. But I was Awesome, awesome fun. Did you enjoy the lifestyle over in Melbourne as well? I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, Melbourne was cool. It was a really good group of lads. It's a pretty cruisy lifestyle. Heaps of, heaps of nice cafes, heaps of good shopping. Um, pretty similar to, to New Zealand, uh, to Wellington, to be honest. Um, weather included. Uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was, it was a pretty fun year in terms of the, the team. The, the rugby was, was a bit disappointing. We only won one game that year. But I learned a lot as a player and as a person. It was good to get away from sort of my, my home bubble. It was the first time I've lived anywhere else. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good learning experience. Yeah, and you're also um, very unique in that you were one of the younger guys who actually tasted super rugby experience outside of New Zealand before playing in New Zealand. So can you give us some sort of insight into you know, maybe having been involved with the Hurricanes now and the Māori All Blacks, why is Super Rugby in Australia so poor? Because, like you said, you obviously didn't have the best run while you were over there and the results haven't been all that great for Australian franchises over the years. Like, what do they do over there that the Hurricanes or whoever else are doing here? Like, like what, what's missing over there? There was a couple of things that I reflected on afterwards of, of that exact thought was... Um, First thing was the Almighty Ten Cup is outstanding. They've got the is it the NRC over there? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure if you're a Super Rugby player, you just get paid for Super Rugby, and then but then you have to play NRC. And then if you uh, come in from outside of the group, you don't you don't you hardly get paid anything. So it's it's really tough for that that second tier of players. It's the, the difference between club rugby and super rugby is just worlds apart. It, uh, 
so that, that was a big one, sort of the, the development into the Super Rugby teams. And then the other thing I found, I, can't, I can only speak for, the, for my experience, but just, just the, some of the stuff that, that, that was being coached was a bit behind. We were getting taught a few things that I'd learned at school, you know, and yeah, just little stuff like that. But um, they're not far off. They've got the athletes over there to do it. It's just it's, they're just not they're not quite quite there. Eh? Yeah, I mean, uh, it mustn't have just been Melbourne. I mean, rugby Australia is a bit of a mess at the moment, bro. And for me, it's it's almost. I mean, I love watching the All Blacks win, but you know, you sort of want competitive games, and and I don't have the answers for for what's yeah, going on. Well, over well there. it's strange because if you think back to the early early Super Rugby days, you know, the Brumbies and the Reds and the Waratahs, they were always real competitive. So. I think they're just not adapting to the game as much as we do here. You know, I think some of the some of the coaching leadership that we've got in this country from the top down is, is pretty pretty special. And yeah, somewhere somewhere along the way that that gap's just formed, eh? Yeah, you're not wrong, bro. But funny enough, that year though, like you said, the results weren't happening on the field, and um, you took a lot of learnings away from it, and you ended up having an awesome. Wider Team Cup season that year with Wellington, bro. So, you know, what what clicked for you? Like, did having that Super Rugby experience sort of, I don't know, give you a bit of a jolt going into that year and how successful you guys were in getting promoted? Yeah, I think just that, that Super Rugby experience was it. I mean, we, did, we didn't win a game that I was playing in, but I actually, I think I started in 15 Super Rugby games, which is, which is quite a bit if you think about it. It's, three times as much as Hurricanes games I've played so and like I said the speed is just is just so much faster than Mighty 10 Cup so playing in that for a full season I came back to Mighty 10 and, and everything seemed to just be happening happen a little bit slower for me um, just a bit more time on the board to make decisions which was which was crucial and then we had a really special group that year and we played some bloody good rugby and um, our forward pack especially was dominating and uh as a ten, when you're when you're going forward, it's a lot easier than when you're going backwards. I think I reap the reap the benefits of that a little bit. Oh, that's a pretty modest answer, bro. And then, even with that final man, like we won't get into too much of the aftermatch celebrations, bro. But that was a long game, <laughs> um, yeah. and there were that a lot a, of points scored. Bro. Yeah, uh, that was crazy. <laughs> For you, bro, was it? Like the craziest game you've been a part of? Yes, no? Uh, yeah. Yeah, in terms of gameplay, just the momentum shifts, length of game, you know, miss kick on full time. Yeah, it, it was. I'm bloody happy we won that because <laughs> I've been so gutted if we played 100 minutes, especially after the season we had and then come, come out second. So, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Like you said, you. The game seemed to slow down for you uh, during that season, and you were rightfully rewarded with your Player of the Year. And then the Hurricanes come knocking, and so when you get that call from your agent saying, "Like, yep, you know, the Hurricanes, you know, want to pick you up, and you know, you know that you're going to be playing Super Rugby in your hometown the next year," what was that feeling like? It was actually crazy. It was. Um, do you remember that year when we played Canterbury and we smashed them? Yes. Yeah one of my highlights of my my rugby career so far to be honest um that was one of my better games i've ever played and literally the day after my agent called and said there's three super rugby teams who are who who could be interested 
and the Hurricanes were one of them. And to be honest, I didn't ever really want to go anywhere else. I wanted to, I wanted to stay and stay at home and just be settled with with Wellington and the Canes. So that was that was just so exciting because before I went to the Rebels, the the Hurricanes was my goal, and I missed it and I was gutted. And then came back from the Rebels with 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 nothing after that, nothing planned for after that Wellington season. Sort of already maybe thinking about overseas, and then to get that opportunity was just that was bloody awesome, bro. Yeah, I was stoked. Unreal. And so you rolled into preseason with the Canes. How did okay, we touched on the, the differences between the the two Australian and New Zealand setups? But what about preseason, bro? Like, is it is it tougher over here? Is it tougher with the Canes? Tougher with the Rebels? Or the same? Nah, it's tougher here, bro. It's way tougher here. The the, the Hurricanes preseason is something else. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's bloody. It's character building. That's for sure. What are those? Because you guys go on like a like a team building trip away to like a farm or something like that, bro. Like, what's that about? Oh, that's pretty chill. That's just the couple of days um, when we first get together. We go and do some just some team bonding experience, just to get away from. Do we just get away from the city? You know, as a group, talk about sort of our goals, uh, our standards, uh, what we're going to live by for the year, and then share some sheep and just try and connect as much as we can. Um, before the hard work starts the next Monday. Yeah, totally. Oh, I, I might have jumped the gun here, bro, but so before you actually go in and get um, integrated into that hurricane setup, you get picked in the Māori All Blacks as well at the end of 2017. Oh, yes. Now, while that's not exactly the All Blacks, bro, it's almost like the second the second best thing, or I don't even want to call it second best thing, bro, because it's, it's a huge honour in itself. So again, bro, like, what was it like, you know, hearing your name called for that and what was the, the trip over to France and over to Canada like? It was unreal. So I got a call halfway through Mitre 10, or three quarters of the way through Mitre 10 from Clayton McMillan, the coach, and he just said, you're playing well, like we're looking at you. And like before that, I had not even like considered, I, I was, I'd sort of forgotten about it. Um, but then after that, I was like, far out, that, that'd be bloody exciting. So. You know, just kept trying to play well, and then I was at, at Enigma in town with a couple of the boys and watched it on Facebook Live, and it came up and but right over the moon, eh? Couldn't couldn't <laughs> couldn't believe it. Like the fact that All Blacks is in the title of it is just it's so special, man. And then going into that that environment, the Maori team is is completely different from any any other team I think in the world in terms of the cultural side and the the learning learning of, of your the Māori dim of all of it is as big as playing rugby and that, that was something that was really special because I've always been proud to be Māori but pretty plastic in terms of speaking it, you know, learning learning everything about it so that was awesome and then, yeah, like you said, the trip over to Vancouver and then Bordeaux was, yeah, it was just awesome to see the world, some crazy rugby, the French Barbarians game was one of the hardest games I ever played and then... Had a good opportunity to travel around with a few of the boys after stay in Europe for a bit, so yeah, that no, was good fun. Main, where about you in Europe? Uh, we went, so we were in Bordeaux. We played there, then we went up to Paris and watched the ABs play there. Stayed there for a night, then we went to Amsterdam and then Portugal, and then I went to England to see my see a couple of my mates um, and my sister over there. So yeah, that no, was a cool couple of weeks. 
Did you did you catch the travel bug over there, or had you like had, had you been to Europe before? No, nah, not oh, we we travelled when I was little when we when my dad was playing in England, but not that I can remember. So definitely made me want to see see um, more of it again. So I'll, I'll definitely that's definitely on the on the bucket list for the future. Yeah, bro. Hopefully, if you uh, all black end of your tours on the cards, bro. <laughs> yeah. You play your cards right. <laughs> all right. So go into twenty eighteen uh, with the Canes, and you make your debut over in Argy against the. Against the Hakawadis, bro. Uh, tell us about the week leading up to that, bro. Like, did the team get named on the Monday? Did you know before heading over to RG you were going to play? Well, how did it lay out? No, nah, I, I didn't know I was going to play. It was funny, before we went on that trip, we are in Auckland and the team got named, or the squad got named to go over. And and they named the first 23 or whatever. And, and my name wasn't in it, so I was gutted. But then at the end, Chris Boyd said, additionally... We're taking Jonah Lowe and Jackson, so I was like, "Oh, I was like, sweet, on the bird, get over there." And then I can't actually remember. They told me before the team got named, or it was just the team naming, but I just remember being stoked. I just remember being happy as, and the week leading up, you know, just trying to do all my homework, do do everything possible, so that if I got any time um, behind Bodie, I'd be able to give give it a good nudge and. Yeah, I think I can't remember how long I got on for ten minutes or so, but it was awesome. It's all it's always awesome playing over there. They're they're passionate supporters. Um and yeah, no, just surreal. It was awesome. Tell us about that environment though, bro, because I've heard it's a it's a pretty unique place to play. Their their fans are different. You hear the the bits and bobs about like lasers and I don't know. I mean they get like flares and stuff at the soccer games, I'm not sure if that's the same at the footy games, bro, but was it the weirdest crowd you've played in front of? I actually really like their crowd. I, I always find that they um they just cheer for rugby a lot of the, a lot of the time. They they're really passionate, especially when and they're very loud when the Hagaras are going good. But um there's definitely a lot worse places to play than than there in terms of heckling and getting shit from them. So yeah, I, I, I haven't minded it. And then like you mentioned before, obviously like playing behind uh, Bird and Barrett and. I mean, everyone knows who he is. I mean, he's the golden boy. And for you being a 10, I mean, it must have been pretty invaluable, like, you know, training along someone like that guy and, you know, sort of rubbing shoulders with him. And in the changing rooms, bro, like, what sort of learnings did you take from him and has he made you a better player? Yeah, definitely. I think more than anything, just seeing how he operates, um, you know, there'd be sequences in training where obviously the 10 takes over and we've got to call the plays and, There'd be times where I'd literally go after him and I'd just call exactly the same thing that he called and just I would have watched what he did and just literally do that um, just just to learn it and, and to see. And then also just the way he studied the game off the field, the way he thought about different different pictures when, when he analysed the game, stuff that I had never really thought about until I, until I saw him and, and um, a few of the other guys in the team doing that. So... Yeah, just being just being around a guy like that is, is really um is really valuable for especially for a first five, I think. Yeah, totally. Now obviously he's gone and there's it's a bit of a two horse race between you and Fletcher to get that jersey and you guys have each had your own opportunities, but even outside of that, I don't I don't want to get into that whole shebang, but I mean there's been a lot of talk obviously, um, in the press about, you know, who's gonna fill his boots and you know 
I hope you don't mind me asking, bro. Like, how how do you deal with sort of all that outside noise and um, obviously not having it affect you negatively? Um, you know, when you get on the field, you know, like, are there support sort of systems in place to make sure all that you know all that outside noise doesn't play too much of a part? I think that the specific situation of filling Bowden's boots is it's a pretty easy one to ignore because. Like for for me, I, I can't speak for Fletch, but for me, I, I'm not. I was never going to come in this year and try and fill his boots. You know, he's the best player in the world, and he has been for three years. So, I just really wanted to just take a step back and see what I what I can offer, what I'm good at, and then see how I can fit that into the team. Because yeah, coming in and if I try to do what Bowden done, I would have fell on my ass, bro. So, yeah, it's just really the the media that hypes that stuff up, and the easiest way to dodge that stuff is just not to read it really <laughs> yeah, for sure bro and like, I'm, I'm not gonna say this to sort of kiss your ass or anything like that all fletches but uh, for me bro I, I get pretty frustrated by it obviously being a hurricane supporter and you know knowing you know how hard you guys train and yeah it's just <laughs> how am i gonna put this i mean you guys are still so young and you know there's always just talk about you know bringing someone else in or doing all that so i'm sorry to bring it up bro but like i don't That's know good. like yeah, it's, I mean, like, how old are you, bro? You're like 25, eh? Yeah, 25. 25 and it's just like, there's still so much. I mean, I'm only a young fella, bro, and I feel weird, like, I don't, I'm not an old man, bro, so it's sort of weird you're talking about this stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, uh, just, it's I, such I, a buzzy one, bro. I think the important thing is that the people that are in the important places are the opinions that we really care about, you know, coaches and the players around us, so. The people that are talking smack on online and all that, I don't, I don't, don't try not to pay too much attention to them. It's, it's obviously the best way to go about it, bro. Um, that wraps up the footy side of things, bro. But what about your game day routine? You know, like when are you waking up in the morning? Uh, you know, what are you eating for breakfast? Do you have any superstitions? Uh, no, nah, nothing massive. I try and keep it pretty loose because I remember when I was, when I first started sort of semi-professional, I sort of followed all the advice from the, trainers, nutritionists and all that on the game day like to a T in terms of what to what to eat, when to wake up, when to nap and all that. And if I missed something I it would stress me out a little bit. So I'm pretty cruisy now. I wake up our first thing as a team is um two thirty we get together for a little primer type thing. So I wake up usually around eleven, have a couple pieces of toast and then I don't know, whatever's in the house, I'll, I'll snack on that at lunchtime and then go in there for the team. And then it's a pretty pretty set timings from there. So we're 2.30, have a run around, 3.30 we'll eat. Then I'll go home and have a sleep. And then by the time I wake up from that, I've got to get dressed and go into the game. So nothing massive, bro. Just try and stay as relaxed as possible because especially 7.30 games, it's it's a long it's a long day. And if you're, you're stressing about too much, it, it's even longer. What about music? Do you, any, do you have a playlist that you play before every game or anything like that? No, nah, bro, I'm not. Oh, actually, I do. When I'm at home or at the hotel before a game, um, I sing. Like, I like to sing real loud. I've got, I've got a game day playlist on Spotify that, that I always I always make, mainly for each Mitre 10 season because my nines in Mitre 10, Kim and Sheridan, they're good singers as well, and they always enjoyed blasting out some high school musical and that. So that's the one. That's the one thing around music that I do try and do every game. Um, but on the way to the game and stuff like that, not really. And at the game, I I like having no headphones so I can hear sort of what's going on around. 
Interesting. High school musical. <laughs> Go check it out, bro. There's some bangers in there. Yeah, bro. I might have to. I, I remember, you know, back in back in the younger days, bro. But then I went through like my two cool phase. So, but I think um, I'm mature enough now to get back to it. But um, we touched on how you're a dad now. But what about some of your other hobbies out, outside of footy, bro? Are you passionate about anything? Um, I love music. I love playing music. I play the guitar, and then I've been learning piano through lockdown. So. That's probably the big one. Um, and then probably same as everyone else, bro, just try and get around my family as much as possible. I've got a, got a pretty big family, lots of brothers and sisters, so try and spend heaps of time with them. And then just, yeah, playing PlayStation whenever I'm allowed. Um, but other than that, it's pretty cruisy, bro. Yeah. I mean, uh, you talk about your family, bro, and you got a, you got a really talented family. Uh, how cool is it like now seeing you know connor your little brother like playing super rugby and you know potentially being able to play against him yeah it's awesome bro one of the highlights of my career so far was when we got to play together for wellington against tasman even though we got dicked but just to be able just to be able to run out with him and then present him his tie after the game was was something that that i'll never forget you know not many people get to play for for their province, let alone play for their province with their with their little brother. So it's awesome, and he if he can get his body right, he's had a few niggly injuries. He's going to be something special, bro. He's a freak of an athlete. He's um yeah, he's he's a lot better than me athletic, athletically. So yeah, I hope he I hope he goes well. Between you three, between you Connor and Georgia, because uh, I know Georgia's a pretty talented hockey player. Yeah. Uh, in your personal opinion, bro, like if you had to rank. Both as people and as athletes, bro, like, what, what's your picking order? Um, as people, mm -hmm. uh, Georgia and Connor would be first equal and I'd be second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and as athletes, um, natural, like in terms of natural ability, are you talking? Yeah, yeah, bro. Um, Connor's probably the most naturally athletic, then it would be me and then Georgia. Georgia had to work a lot. Georgia had to work so much harder than me and Connor for everything she got. And credit to her, she, she bloody accomplished everything she wanted to accomplish. So, yeah, it's cool. I mean, to be fair, bro, I mean, you guys are all pretty talented. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as you would have heard, bro, or, um, again, thank you, bro, for, for tuning in to um, some of my other podcasts, bro. I really appreciate um, guys tuning in. No, and if you, if you happen to get to the end of them, you'd know that I have a, a segment called Ten in the Bin. So uh, yep. I've got 10 questions for you, bro. And um, yeah, you just flip me your best answers. Sweet as, bro. All right, question number one. Go-to vessel at the pre-drinks on a night out. Oh, changes, man. Long whites, probably, or an apple cider, Monteith's. Have you got a particular long white flavor? Uh, raspberry for me. Yes, bro. I, I swear. Like, yeah, everyone goes for lemon lime, bro. Yes. No. But nah, I, like, I love raspberries. But that's a funny thing, bro. You're the first person I've ever asked um, in terms of like them enjoying long white said raspberry. Everybody is off them, bro. But I guess more for us. Yeah, bro. Same uh, question. Who's the biggest coach's pet you've been around? Any team? Biggest coach's pet. Oh, far out. Oh, I can't even think, bro. So many of them. <laughs> oh, I, bro, I honestly can't think. 
No, it's all good. If, if, if go one next. pops I'll up, keep bro. Yeah. yeah, go next. I'll, I'll keep thinking. What's your must order day off? Sleeping. That's it. I can do anything else after that, but I need. I like having a good sleep. Sleep's a funny one, bro. Like, because I know that, and obviously in those sort of sporting setups, you know, they're, they've got a big emphasis on it. Is it something that you're all good with? Like, are you a guy that, you know, when your head hits the pillow and you can clock in your eight hours or you're a bit of a night owl? Or? Nah, I struggle away. I've, I, I get tired all afternoon, and then as soon as I get in bed, I just, my brain just wakes up. And I can sometimes end up like 1 a.m. and I don't even know how I got there. So it's actually, I've actually been a little bit better since my daughter's been born because I'm, I'm up earlier and I'm doing a lot more during the day. So the, the last wee while I've been better, but yeah, there have been times where I've been, I battle. Okay. Uh, least favorite fitness block? Uh, anything on hills. Sweet. Favorite cheat meal? Cheat meal, oh, Macca's, bro. What's your go-to? Um, double cheeseburger, steamed buns, McChicken, and a Big Mac. Just yeah. the burgers, just the three burgers, and, a dr- and a, I'll get a drink, too. Sweet. Uh, most regretful baller purchase, bro. So what have you gone out, splashed a whole lot of money on, and then been like, oh, no, I didn't want to buy that. Um, vodka Fanta's at Siglo, bro, probably. <laughs> Seriously, I reckon me and a few of the boys have kept that place afloat at some points. <laughs> I've, n- I've honestly never had money to make any real big purchases, like big dumb purchases, because I spent all my money on the weekend when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> bro, you're not the first, you're not going to be the last. Yeah, um, exactly. Can't pay I... a price on memories, that's the thing. Bro. Bro, great motto. Um, <laughs> number seven, guilty music pleasure, bro. But you can't use High School Musical. You've already used that one, bro. So outside of that, what else is your guilty music pleasure? Oh, just anything Disney would like probably be my the questionable song, uh, music that I that I really enjoy. Um, especially from the early cartoon movies like Aladdin and The Lion King. All those soundtracks are phenomenal. I reckon. Maybe bro, not. so you're gonna be this dance class always almost going to be like too easy for you bro because you're going to actually enjoy the stuff you're throwing in front of your daughter exactly but it's the thing it's just an excuse for me to watch the movies again <laughs> money man um what's your go-to dance move go-to dance move bro this the step and the step and click mate i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not much of a dancer so yeah just anything so just side to side try and stay in time with the music yeah bro me and you both uh, number nine, biggest grub you've played with and against? Biggest grub? Oh, can't go past Dane Coles and the Canes, I reckon. He's always, every time there's a dust up, he's in there. That's it. And he's either in there or he started it. And it's beauty, it's beauty. that's why he's the captain. He, he's got everyone's back no matter what. And then the biggest grub I've played against. There's a few, bro. One, one, one guy that really annoyed me was Jesse Parete from when we were playing against Taranaki. The last year or the year before, there was one game that he just, he was just into everyone in the rain, and I just remember thinking, man, stop being a dick. But yeah, that was, yeah he was he was he was grubby that day. 
Bro, he's, he's a character on the telly. Yeah. He, like, celebrates all the small wins. Yeah, bro. Nah, he's, he's, he, seems, he seems like the type of dude, if he's on your side, you love him. And if you're playing against him, you know, you're not too much of a fan. But, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't, I've, I've only spent some time with him at R&B. I think that's the only real, real time I've spent with him off the field. So, I know he's a good dude. For sure. All right, bro. Last question. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to be really interested to see how you say this, uh, considering uh, where you're at at the moment. Just got to finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for the... My daughter. I like it, bro. I love it. You're, you're the first you're, you're the first one um, to go the alternative route, but no, what better answer? I've just got to be honest, bro. I know, I know, I'll get some shit for the boys for that, but they, they had the occasional Saturdays for the boys, but, you know, change man now. Right, totally, bro. Fano first always. Exactly. All right, brother. Um, again, thank you very much for taking the time to have a quarter all with me, bro. I, I really appreciate you giving me some insight into your footy journey. Obviously, like, we've got footy back, and, I mean, I'm itching to, to watch footy, so I can't even imagine how you are to get back in with the lads and start playing, bro. So I wish you the best of luck with that until I see you next. And, yeah, bro, just... Stay safe and um, yeah. Cheers, bro. Thanks, for, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, like I said, listen to a couple of your podcasts and you're asking some. You're putting some good storylines together for the boys, so it's, it's it's nice to listen to and um, easy to listen to as well, which is cool. So nah, happy to come on, bro. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate that, Jackson. You have a great night. Cheers, bro. You too.